Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Longstanding tensions between Israelis and Palestinians have erupted. Reports are coming in that hundreds have been injured in fresh clashes in Jerusalem. Over everything from access to holy sites to evictions of Palestinians from East Jerusalem. Police have fired stun grenades and tear gas at stone-throwing demonstrators. And today, tensions are particularly high as Israel is marking Jerusalem Day, the anniversary of when Israeli troops captured East Jerusalem in 1967. And this has forced the Biden administration to wade in publicly to an issue that it has basically been trying to avoid ever since it took office. We are continuing to closely monitor the violence in Israel. Uh, We have serious concerns about the situation, including violent confrontations uh, that we've seen over the last uh, few days. It kind of goes to show that this is the type of conflict that won't ignore you, even if you want to ignore it. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... It's a very, very difficult and challenging issue. I don't envy them. I don't envy anybody who's had to deal with this conflict for the last 70 years. Foreign affairs correspondent Nahal Tusi on how the Biden administration has tried to keep a distance from the Israel-Palestine conflict, but rising tensions in Jerusalem are making it unavoidable. It is not fair that a Palestinian child cannot grow up in a state of their own. It's not just when settler violence against Palestinians goes unpunished. Pretty much every president has wanted to make solving this crisis a major mission for them. Uh, You know, Barack Obama and others appointed special envoys. It's not right to prevent Palestinians from farming their lands or restricting a student's ability to move around the West Bank or displace Palestinian families from their homes. Uh, They would wade in uh, to try to to get the sides to talk. There was the Camp David talks under Bill Clinton. We have an opportunity to bring about a just and enduring end to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. That is the key to lasting peace in the entire Middle East. But the Biden administration basically kind of doesn't really want to deal with it. Hmm. I know that's kind of a strange way to put it, but... Basically, they wanted to deprioritize the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. They did not see much movement there. Neither of the parties seemed anywhere near able to mount any sort of negotiations or even willingness to come to the table to try to resolve this decades-old conflict. Mm -hmm. And so the administration has not put a big priority on it. And partly, again, it's because it just doesn't seem like there's much that can be done, but also because this administration views China and Asia policy as a much bigger priority and much more in the U.S. national interest. So they're trying to refocus uh, the U.S. anyway. And this issue just, you know, they were just trying to deprioritize it. We are following breaking news overseas. According to Israeli police, three Palestinians opened fire on an Israeli base in the occupied West Bank today. Two of the suspected attackers were killed and the third was evacuated to a hospital. The incident comes amid a rise in tensions across occupied East Jerusalem ahead of a court case concerning the forced evictions of Palestinians from their homes. Joining me now is NBC News foreign correspondent. So, Nahal, 
As Biden and his team have been trying to keep their distance from the Israel-Palestine conflict, a crisis has been brewing over the past couple weeks, one centered in Jerusalem. What exactly is going on there? Well, there's a bunch of different things. Uh, The main issues are basically uh, the access to a number of holy sites uh, in the old city of Jerusalem. The Dome of the Rock and the neighboring Al-Aqsa Mosque, the third holiest site in Islam. Only steps away, the Western Wall, the holiest site at which Jews can pray, a pilgrimage site for Jews from all over the world. And nearby, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where many Christians believe Jesus Christ was crucified. There's various really holy sites for Christians, Muslims, and Jews. And there's always kind of frustrations, especially among Palestinians, about the the access that they get to their religious sites and the access that some of the more right-wing Israeli Jews try to get to some of the same sites. It's it's kind of long been brewing. Uh Now, this is also the holy month of Ramadan, so some of these tensions tend to spike. Mm. Then you have the other big issue, which is this looming eviction of several Palestinian families from the East Jerusalem neighborhood. The current tensions were sparked partly by this viral video in which local woman Muna Al-Kurd confronts a Jewish settler. You are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. It was an acknowledgement of just how close Muna's family and three others are to being forced out. They've lodged a final appeal with Israel's Supreme Court. Muna's father, Nabil, who has already had one house seized by settlers, fears what could happen if the court rules against them. Now, Israel claims that it has you know, annexed East Jerusalem, and there are Israeli laws that basically give the right for people to live there to Israelis, even though... These Palestinian families have lived there for decades. Uh, you know, they, they inherited these family homes. And so there's these laws that Israeli settlers and others have been trying to take advantage of to push these people out so that they can take over the homes and basically make the character of the neighborhood more uh, Jewish instead of Muslim and, and Palestinian. Mm. And also uh, there was a court hearing scheduled for Monday about the uh, potential evictions. That's been postponed for the time being. At the same time, also on Monday, it was the Jerusalem Day Parade, which is when a lot of ultra-nationalist Israeli Jews tend to march to celebrate the day that the country in the 1967 war grabbed a hold of East Jerusalem. Mm. And this parade tends to go through this Muslim neighborhood and sort of seen as a provocation. So you have all of these things uh, that kind of have come together and fueling clashes and frustrations and anger uh, in recent weeks and in particular on Monday. Well, there are several events to tell you about in Israel. First of all, Israel's carried out airstrikes on Gaza hours after rockets were fired from the territory towards Jerusalem. And this comes on a day of intense violence between the Palestinians and Israeli police at the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound. What you also have is the Biden administration basically really kind of at the last minute, publicly at least, weighing in on this, trying to calm tensions, trying to speak out uh, to help the Palestinians who face eviction. In a call over the weekend uh, with his Israeli counterpart, our national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, reiterated concerns about the potential evictions of Palestinian families from their homes. And they agreed that the launching of rocket attacks and incendiary balloons from Gaza towards Israel is unacceptable. And a lot of critics say, look, this was too little too late. Look, I can tell you that last week I was asking the State Department 
are you guys going to say anything about this? This is getting really wild. And they, their initial response was, we're, we're giving out statements to anybody who asks. Hmm. And it's like, okay, come on. You know, you only do that when it's something you don't really want to talk about. And then finally on Friday, uh, the State Department spokesperson put out an official statement. And then over the weekend, we hear that there was a, a conversation between National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and his Israeli counterpart. Uh, and my understanding is there might have been some other hi- higher level than normal uh connections as well. But activists and others are saying, you should have done this days ago, maybe even weeks ago, you should have come out publicly. Given how things are escalating, what do you think will happen next? Like, do you think now the Biden administration will ultimately end up getting more involved long term? I think they're going to try to diffuse this as much as possible. And then I think they're going to try to back away again. They they really do believe there are bigger things that the United States needs to deal with. And another part of this is that the Biden administration is trying to sort of manage its relationship with Israel very carefully because the Biden administration is trying to get back into the Iran nuclear deal, right? And Israel opposes that deal and is trying to sabotage efforts for the U.S. to get back in the deal. So that's another factor at play here. But one other aspect of this is that you see a lot of progressive Democrats Uh, coming to side with the Palestinians on these issues and criticizing the Biden administration, saying the Biden administration should do more. And this is a really interesting phenomenon because, first of all, it's an intra-party struggle. It adds to political pressure for President Biden. At the same time, it just shows how much the politics on Capitol Hill have changed. Uh, You know, it used to be that Israel had widespread, very solid support on Capitol Hill. But increasingly now, Israel can pretty much only count on support from Republicans and not quite as much from Democrats. And for the pro-Israel activist community, uh, this is really becoming uh, an alarming thing, and they're trying to find ways to resolve it. Wow. Uh, that, that is a lot going into the politics of all this. <laughs> Man, today I'm trying to write this story, and it's like putting together a 5,000-piece puzzle. There's so many moving parts. It's like a moving puzzle, if that's even a thing. Um <laughs> And I, it's just it's just been very difficult because there's all these things. So so when you ask me what's next, well, look, one thing I can tell you is there are definitely parties interested in keeping this conflict alive and in the in the headlines, and that includes Hamas, the militant group that controls the Gaza Strip and which has been throwing rockets at Jerusalem today. So there are people who want to keep this very much alive, and there are others who want to diffuse it. But does this mean that the Biden administration suddenly feels like it has to appoint a special envoy to jumpstart peace talks between the Israelis and the Palestinians? No, it does not. Nahal Tusi, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today... The FDA says Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine can be given to kids 12 to 15 years old, making it the first shot available for Americans younger than 16. The timing of the agency's decision means that many high schoolers could be vaccinated by the time the next school year starts. In March, Pfizer and its partner BioNTech said their vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID in a trial of 2,300 U.S. kids aged 12 to 15. They're currently doing a study of their vaccine in children from 6 months to 11 years old, and results are expected this summer. And the state of California is expecting a massive $75.7 billion surplus despite the pandemic. 
The amount surpasses most states' annual spending, and it's prompted Governor Gavin Newsom to propose sending cash back to residents as he faces a recall election. Newsom says he's floating $600 checks for middle-income residents, along with $500 payments to families with dependents. Today's episode includes music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.